0: Well, today's message is called God Uses Busy People. How many of you think you qualify as a busy person? We have lots of busy people here, yet you don't have to be shy. And uh, I used to believe that there were times of the year when things would slow down. I, I used to tell my wife that. I would tell her, you know, around Christmas time or Easter time, well, things will slow down soon. This is just one of those busy times of the year. And, you know, when we get to summer, it'll slow down. Or when we get here, it'll slow down. And I just absolutely lied to her because it never slowed down. We have been running full out in ministry for almost 40 years now, and things just don't slow down. And um, this has been a really busy time for our church as we have prepared to relocate from this facility into uh, the landing, our new facility, and uh, there's been a lot going on here and a lot of meetings and uh, then it's been a busy time for me personally. In fact, I have been so busy I almost hope for a winter where we get snowed in for a few days. Okay, I lied again. I really don't want that kind of a winter, but I do want to slow down The truth is, we all seem to get busier every year. We get busier every year, and it creates some fear in our lives because we don't see an end in sight, and we also don't see how we can continue to move at this pace that we're moving at. But apparently, what we're feeling in this is nothing new. Look at what a man named Job said about his life. He said, My days go by faster than a runner. They fly away without uh, my seeing any joy. Thousands of years ago, Job felt that, and I feel it today, and I don't think I'm alone. As we read these uh, statements from a survey that we did, I want you to evaluate your life. Consider these findings that people have. I I think more and more we're hearing that people are not only busy, they think they're too busy for God. So this survey was taken of 13,000 Christians. And when we read these statements, ask yourself, is this always true of me or often true of me or seldom true of me or never true of me? Here's the first statement. The busyness of my life gets in the way of developing my relationship with God. How true of that is you? Um, In the actual survey, six out of ten responded that this was often or always true of them. Six out of ten. A full 60% of Christians in this survey said that they were too busy for God. Here's a second statement. I rush from task to task it is that never, seldom, often, or always true of you. Four out of ten Christians surveyed, responded, this was often or always true of them. Decide how true this next statement is in your life. I often eat quickly. Got your answer? Five of ten Christians surveyed said that this was often or always true of them. Let's look at one more. I hurry even when I don't have to hurry. How true, of that is, uh, how true is that of you? In the survey, one out of three responded this was often or always true of them. Did, that, did anyone else react to that last one? Boy, I did. Uh, when I read that on the survey, I thought, wow, busted... I've caught myself too many times speeding uh, somewhere or hurrying somewhere, and I'm not in a hurry. I I don't have to be there. Quickly, or uh, if I hurry, I'm going to be there early, you know, even. And so it's kind of a different situation that we're looking at. In addition to these on the survey, half of the people said they're often or always exhausted at the end of their day. Those are striking numbers, aren't they? The study reveals what many of us already felt deep inside of us, and that is, it seems that those of us who follow Jesus are overwhelmed. We're overloaded, and the result is many of us are experiencing only an intermittent relationship with God. And examining the data more closely shows us that this is especially true of people between the ages of 25 and 45. It's no wonder that many people who claim to love and follow Jesus struggle to get to church. Or to get to growth group more than once or twice a month. And many feel guilty. They feel guilty because they don't ever seem to be able to find some time just to relax and read their Bible and pray. It bothers them. And they don't want to admit it. But they're just too busy for God. They're too busy for God. Now, some have made time for church more consistently and they may find several times a week to read the Bible and pray and they don't think that they're too busy for God but some of them think that they are too busy to serve God. Now no one I know comes right out and says it. No one declares you know I just don't care about what the church is trying to do. I don't care about the ministries of the church so that's why I don't volunteer. Usually the response is more like I'm just too busy to serve the church right now just too busy to volunteer right now. Trust me, I get that. Most of us are extremely busy. We work full-time and we shuttle kids back and forth to practices and games and we look in on our elderly parents and we try to get a little housework in here and there and so on. Yep, it, all that adds up to a really busy life and many rationalize it and they say, I just can't volunteer right now. So they come to church every week They enjoy many of the programs of the church, many of the special events of the church, and then they go back to their busy life. And most of them have never thought about this. While they are too busy to serve, every time they come to church, they are being served by busy people. They're being served by busy people. They put their kids into kids programs that are run by a crew of volunteers who are busy people and they are welcomed at the door by volunteers who are really busy people and they're led in the musical time of the service by volunteers who are busy people. In fact, this weekend, many of the busy people who made time to serve our kids and uh, serve with our music team and serve at the Vine and other places have been here building houses this weekend. And every week, our church helps hundreds of kids and adults draw closer to God because busy people find time to serve busy people and every week God really uses busy people and yet when you're already overwhelmed it seems so hard to find the time to volunteer we need to deal with this very real struggle of being busy but not wanting to be too busy for God We struggle because we don't want to be too busy for God, but we struggle with being busy. And the answer isn't feeling guilty, and the answer isn't being pressured or shamed into doing something that you don't think you have time to do. The answer is found in some verses in Ephesians chapter 5. Here's the answer. It says, so be very careful how you live. Do not live like those who are not wise, but live wisely, Use every chance you have for doing good because these are evil times. So do not be foolish, but learn what the Lord wants you to do. The answer is for us to be wise. The answer is for us to learn what the Lord wants us to do. So how do we do that? How do we learn what the Lord wants us to do? Well, maybe it will help if we... Ask ourselves some hard questions. So let me suggest five questions that will help you begin to think through and make wise decisions for yourself. These questions might be the basis of a dialogue that you can have with your spouse and your family members or with your friends or with your growth group to be sure that you're living wisely and you're doing what the Lord wants you to do. Here's the first question. Ask yourself, how does God want to use me? How, how does God want to use me? Now, notice the question isn't, does God want to use me? The answer to that question would be a clear yes. God does want to use you. And I used this passage a few weeks ago in a message, but it underscores what we said last week. Last week, we said that God wants to love others through you, He wants to use each of us. But look at this passage from First Corinthians chapter twelve. It says, "A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other." Now, all of you together is Christ our Christ's body, and each one of you is a separate and necessary part of it. Did you catch that? You are a separate and necessary part of this church. You're a separate and necessary part of this church. If God has placed you here at impact, he has something that he wants you to do at impact to be used by him to love others with his love. And that's going to be different for each person. For some, it might be driving a shuttle or welcoming guests. For some, it might be behind the scenes, helping us get more organized. For some, it might be as a growth group leader or as a large group leader in Still City Kids. Here's the thing. When you find what it is that God really wants you to do, you won't hate it. When you find what God wants you to do, you won't hate it. In fact, you will love it. You will love it. Some of you have heard me tell about a man coming into my office when I pastored a church in Southern California, and he expressed that he really wanted to serve. He really wanted to make a difference for Jesus, but he was really frustrated. I asked what he was doing, and he said, I'm teaching two- and three-year-olds, and I hate kids. And I kind of laughed and said, well, I know that age kid Of kids can be pretty difficult sometimes. And he interrupted and he said, No, Steve, I hate kids. And I said, Then why are you teaching two and three year olds if you hate kids? And he said, Well, I asked for a place to serve and they said that that's where I would be most needed. And he said, I told them, Well, I hate kids. And they kind of laughed and handed me the material and I've been teaching two and three year olds. And I said, we don't want you to teach kids if you hate kids shouldn't that be a rule in all churches shouldn't it be a rule that people who hate kids aren't allowed to work with them i I think that ought to be a rule and so we started looking for another place for him to uh, minister and he eventually started mowing the grass we had quite a large lawn there and mowing the lawn is a year-round job in california And he did a great job. He started out doing it just once a a month and then somebody else quit and he started doing it twice a month. Pretty soon he was doing it every week. And he did this great job. The lawns at the church had never looked better. And one day I was headed into my office and he was mowing the grass and I stopped to talk to him and he said, Steve, I just love doing this. I just love doing this. I feel like I'm making such a big difference for Jesus by doing this honestly, I had never thought about cutting grass as making a big difference for Jesus. And so I didn't say that to him. I said, um, that's interesting. Tell me more about that. And he said, see all those cars passing by out there? He said, I feel like when they pass by and they look and the lawn is well taken care of, they think, you know what? Maybe if they care that much about the grass, they'll care that much about me. Wow. He had found where God wanted to use him, and he loved it. Some of you have never found where God wants to use you. You've bounced from place to place serving, but you've really never found where uh, God wants to use you, and so you've never found that joy. You've never found that fulfillment. Can I suggest that you sign up for our GPS class next week so that you can find your place? It really will help you answer this question, this important question of how Does God want to use me? Another question we should ask is this. What should I say yes to? What should I say yes to? This is a vital question for each of us because if we're doing what Jesus wants us to do, when we make a promise, when we say yes to something, we need to follow through and keep that promise. King Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, reminds us of the importance of keeping our promises and our commitments. Look at Ecclesiastes 5 verses 4 through 6. Here's what it says. If you make a promise to God, keep your promise. Don't be slow to do what you promised. God is not happy with fools. Give God what you promised to give him. It is better to promise nothing than to promise something and not be able to do it. So don't let your words cause you to sin. So we need to be careful what we say yes to. But being wise and learning to do what God wants us to do means that we need to say yes to something. We need to say yes to whatever it is God wants us to do. So what do we say yes to? And this is a real dilemma, isn't it? I mean, there's this real struggle between over-involvement and under-involvement. We have this very real struggle between being too involved and not being involved enough. And it seems, seems like that's a very fine line in our life. And some people have gotten over-involved in church ministry sometimes. I mean, they volunteer for everything and suddenly they find themselves at the church or at a group activity four or five nights a week and their kids never see them. And we may be so over-involved that we can't do other things that God really wants us to do. Now, if you know the story of the Good Samaritan in the Bible, you know um, if, let me refresh your memory in case you don't know it. A man is beaten and robbed and left for dead and he's laying by the side of the road and first a priest comes by and sees him and he walks by and doesn't stop to help. And then a temple worker walks by, and he doesn't stop to help. And finally, this outcast, this person who everybody looks down on and is prejudiced against, finally is the one who stops and cares for him. You know what I thought about recently while I was reading that story? We have always assumed that that priest and that temple worker are just awful people. That they're people with no compassion, But what if that's not true? What if it wasn't that they lacked compassion, they were just late for a meeting? They just had over-involved themselves in so many things that they couldn't do something that God very clearly wanted them to do. A few people really have been over-involved in church, but... Can I gently say that while most people are over involved, it isn't at church. Most people are overinvolved. It's just not at church. Most are just overinvolved in life. They're driving their kids to different lessons and practices, and they're spending hours each week pursuing their hobby or their recreation or their club or their fitness or any number of things. And when each of your family members has events and that take a few hours a day, it's just overwhelming. You see, very few areas of the church require the same time commitment as sports leagues or play practices or band competitions. But when we try to add volunteering into what we're already doing, we feel like we just don't have time to serve. So the question is, what should I say yes to? And I'm not suggesting that you have to say no to all of those other activities, sports teams and dance lessons, but I do think it's okay to limit some of those things. It's okay to limit it. I don't think your kids need to be involved in everything that's available to them. It's okay to ask them to choose one extracurricular activity so that they, along with you, can have time to serve and draw close to God. So determine prayerfully what you should say yes to and realize this question implies another question. What should I be saying no to? What should I be saying no to? Now, one of the things that we don't think about is that every time we say yes to something, we probably are also saying no to something else. When we say yes to something, we're saying no to something else. A while back, I was asked to go on, uh, with a group on a mission trip to South America. And they wanted me to go and they were going to pay every penny of the cost of the trip. They were gonna pay for me to go on this mission trip to South America. And I wanted to go. And I thought about it. And while I was thinking about it, I realized that when I said yes to leading this congregation, to relocating from this facility to a new facility, I effectively said no to going to South America. You see, when we say yes to something, that often means we're saying no to something else. And that wasn't a big deal for me, but sometimes when we say yes to a hobby, we effectively say no to growth group that will help us draw closer to Jesus and when we say yes to something for our kids we may be saying no to them building really important lifetime friendships with kids in our pack on Wednesday night uh, that might help them stay spiritually committed to Jesus in college so I guess my point is it would be better for us to decide intentionally what we say yes to and what we say no to What is it that you need to stop doing or limit so that you can serve God? Maybe you need to say no to social media or podcasts or TV or a hobby. What is it you need to start doing so that you can improve your family's relationship with God? Maybe it's attending church more often or getting in a group or finding your place to serve. Again, I'm not saying it's easy to make these decisions, but I'm asking you to ask yourself, what will I say yes to? And by doing that, that will help you to spend your time on the right things. Today, I want you to hear from one of the busy people that God uses around here who has struggled with these questions. Watch this video.
1: Hi, everybody. I'm Josh Fuka, a long time impact busybody. I mean impact volunteer. I've been actively involved in this church since I've been three or four years old. So it's safe to say I've been volunteering here for quite some time. And because of that, I was asked to answer the question, how do I prioritize things to make myself available to God? Well, I'm here to tell you, I don't have a silver bullet. I don't have a 12-step plan for decluttering your life, nor becoming more efficient at your task or task-oriented. I've been to those seminars. I've been to those sessions. They're great. They can help you uh, execute plans, accomplish goals. But what I'm about to share with you is something totally different, something only God can orchestrate. And as you'll see, he's just getting started. So to do so, I'm going to become a little vulnerable little open. I'm already choking up, so I'm apologizing now, because I've learned in marriage emotions are okay. So I'm going to read my notes verbatim. But it's because I want to be very clear and make this about God and all of you. And it's not about me or my story or airing any grievance. Okay, so here we go. We are called to serve. Our mission is to advance the gospel through formal volunteering commitments like the AV team. There's a plug. Praise band, Steel City Kids. And informal commitments like our homes. And so when I was asked to share my testimony on prioritizing things in my life so that I could be used by God, what the church didn't know, in one day's time, my prioritizing of Him was about to cost me you see I was up for a promotion stop you think you already know where I'm going with this yeah yeah Josh we've all been there with promotions we've all been let down we've all been disappointed and upset well you're right in assuming I didn't get the job that I was promised but the reason though ties back to God using busy people I was told I didn't work the correct overtime hours and that i was perceived as arrogant no jokes but i was also told i was qualified so much so that before my interview i was almost directly placed into the position so yes that hurt but probably rightfully so interviews were conducted in my interview during it the last question was about a small notation on my resume. Once again, tie back to God using busy people. That notation was about volunteering at my church. I was told sarcastically, that's very commendable, with a snicker. And then a mocking of the work I was doing here. You see, serving doesn't always lead to butterflies and rainbows. Serving Christ is tough, and it comes at a cost. My priorities are two little boys in the nursery and preschool and my wife. When I'm gone 12 hours a day, I need to be home for dinner. They need me. I also know Jen and I are setting an example for our kids. They need to see us in action. They're with Jen and I when we serve, back in the AV booth, out at the source, and today, helped build hope we learned we learned these things also from our parents here's the deal folks you're busy I get it but Christ doesn't call us to unlimited comfort the rich young ruler couldn't give up his wealth for Jesus I just gave up thousands of dollars in a promotion but I'm not changing my behavior and I'm not going to change my resume and I know the cost the reason I know what I just went through will be okay is that this was just the tip of the iceberg for Jen and I over this past year. See, God has called my family to several commitments and service that we've never, ever dreamed of. And he's blessing us because of our faithfulness. I don't know where this will go, but I am so certain of his faithfulness and that he will continue to lead the way for us. So here's what I'd like you to take away. First, prioritize the informal and the formal in your life. Make sure you're with your family and serve in this church. Service will look a bit different for everybody, and it will come at a cost. And I don't know what that cost will be for you, but Christ is faithful. Your job and my job is to advance the kingdom of God, and it will not happen unless we're all in this together. Thank you.
0: I appreciate Josh being vulnerable and sharing. As Josh said, sometimes there is a cost to saying yes where God wants to use us. But making saying yes to things based on what is a priority to you is so important. And that leads us to the next question. What am I teaching my kids? What am I teaching my kids Jesus said this in Luke chapter 6, a student is not better than the teacher, but the student who has been fully trained will be like the teacher. Let me read that in the way that it applies to parents. A child, a son or a daughter, is not better than the parent, but the child who is fully trained will be like their parent. Who you are is who your kids will be. Who you are is who your kids will be. It's important to think about what you are teaching kids, both with your words and with your examples. Many are doing a great job of teaching their kids to be responsible, to teach them to know finances, to teach them to be good citizens, and they teach their kids to be team players and to get into groups and play nice with others. But are they even thinking about teaching their kids to be servants? Remember, Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. And the best way for you to teach your kids to be servants is for them to see you serving. And I'm not talking about once a year at Thanksgiving at a homeless shelter. But they, if you really want them to learn to be servants, they have to see you serving as a normal and natural part of your everyday life. And this is something that my parents did very well. My earliest childhood memories center around the church that I grew up in. And I watched my parents serve that church in many different ways for decades. And so I guess I find it easy to serve because my parents taught me this. Now, if you didn't have parents that taught you to serve, that's okay. But what are you going to teach your kids? What are you going to teach... Your kids, will you teach them that church is something that we go to every once in a while from time to time, but then spend the whole trip home criticizing when we leave? Or will you teach them to serve others like Jesus did? And again, you teach them by what you demonstrate with your life. We have to move on. Another question that you should ask as you seek to sort out the priorities of your busy life is, what should I be focusing on? What should I be focusing on? If you've been in church very long, you've probably heard this verse where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. The passage seems to be saying that when leaders of a church or leaders of a government or leaders of an organization don't point people towards a clear vision or purpose, chaos happens. People run unrestrained. People start arguing and fighting and trying to get their way and to lead groups to do what they think that they should do. They run unrestrained. But what is true of churches and countries and governments and organizations is also true for you that's true for you. God has a plan for your life. He has a vision for your life. And when you're unclear about his vision, when you're not paying attention to his vision, you focus on other things and then you just run unrestrained. Chaos happens in your life. You run from this event to that priority to this habit to this hobby and that's when you get busy that's when you get exhausted that's when you get over involved and God wants you to focus on him he wants you to focus on his plan for your life do you realize that God gave you enough hours in your day to accomplish absolutely everything that he wants you to accomplish let let's let that sink in a minute let me repeat it God gave you enough hours in your day to accomplish absolutely everything he wants you to accomplish. You know what that means. That means anytime that you have said, I don't have enough hours in my day, what you're confessing is that you're doing things God doesn't want you to do. If you don't have enough hours in your day to accomplish everything you think you ought to accomplish, you're doing something God doesn't want you to do. And um, that's an interesting dilemma for us. And so you're going to have to figure out what it is that You should be focusing on you see, we don't want you to serve in every ministry here at Impact because God doesn't want you to serve at every ministry here. So we think that we all need to find the area of serving Jesus where our focus should be. What's your primary ministry? What is the ministry that you get excited about? Or what need is it that breaks your heart and makes you feel like you have to do something about it? Or uh, what is the area that you feel God working through you when you volunteer uh, in that area? And you might not yet know what that is, but when you find it, when you find that one area that you need to be focusing on, you just focus on that and you say no to other areas of volunteering and God will help you. In this, look at what Philippians 2 says God is always at work in you to make you willing and able to obey His own purpose. God will make you able to obey, and he will make you willing to obey him and serve him right where he needs you, right where he has planned for you to be. And while uh, doing that, he will also help you balance the other areas of your life by deciding to focus only on the things that God clearly wants you to do. We're about out of time, but there's one last question that we need to ask that you need to ask yourself and dialogue about with people that you love. And here's the question. What will I change? What will I change? You've heard me say it several times. Nothing changes if nothing changes. Nothing changes if nothing changes. If you really want to reclaim some sanity in your life by slowing down and beginning to let God use you as he desires at the same time, You have to decide what will change. And I think that begins with a lot of time spent with God, asking these questions, asking Him to guide you and to give you wisdom. And to do that, you have to get past your excuses. You've got to get past all those reasons you've always given for not doing certain things and you've got to trust God fully even when he might ask you to do something hard. Look at this passage from Proverbs 3. It says, with all your heart, you must trust the Lord and not your own judgment. Always let him lead you and he will clear the road for you to follow. Did you catch that? God will clear the right road for you to follow when you trust him. Trusting God while asking these questions is going to require brutal honesty on our part. The truth is, some people are over-involved. A few were over-involved in church by being in too many ministries, but most are not. Most of us are just over-involved in life, and your kids are involved in too much, and you're involved in too much. And you might be even a little frustrated right now because it feels like we're asking you to do more. No, we're not asking you to do more. We're asking you to do what God wants you to do, to do what God wants you to do. And we know some of the things God wants us to do, don't we? I mean, we know God wants us to keep our family a high priority, We know that he wants us to attend services regularly, to spend time with other Christians in groups. We know that he wants each of us to be serving him. How do we know that? Because the Bible clearly teaches us God wants us to do those things. That's not a mystery. Those are things that God very clearly tells us in his word that he wants us to do. But the question for you is, what will change as a result of this message? Will you slow down? Will you slow down just enough To let God impress on your heart what he wants? Will you let him give you rest? Will you let him balance your life and your relationships while still being a great servant? Or is nothing going to change? Will nothing change? I mean, will you just walk out of here and re-engage in your to-do list? Just walk back in to your... Busy life where you have that nagging guilt that God wants to use you, but you're running so fast and you're staying so busy with lesser things to really let him use you. Please slow down enough to give God access to your life and to let him shape your priorities, to let him give you balance. I beg you, let God have some quiet moments in your life to bring into your life his peace peace in the midst of this craziness. Dallas Willard said something that I have found to be true in my life. He said this, God will, generally speaking, not compete for our attention. If we will not withdraw from things that obsess and exhaust us into solitude and silence, he will usually leave us to our own devices. Are you missing God's best for your life because you won't withdraw from the things that obsess and exhaust you? Why not give God some quiet moments? Look at what will happen when you do. Isaiah 26 says this, you, Lord, give perfect peace to those who keep their purpose firm and put their trust in you. Spending some quiet time with God, struggling through these questions will help you. If you trust him, if you focus on his purpose for your life, he will keep his promise and give you peace. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, this room is full of busy people. We all have plans for today, plans for this week, things that we have to do. And Father, we're busy. Would you forgive us for the times when we have let lesser things cause us to push you to the side? Father, would you forgive us for the times when We have even somehow built our self-esteem by feeling important, by being so busy. Would you help us, Father, to just quiet down, take some time to let you deal with us as we go through these questions and find the answers for each one of us. Father, I pray that you will help each one of us to find your joy, to find your peace, by learning what it is that you want us to do by saying yes to the right things and no to the wrong things. Father, we thank you for your love and for your peace. In Jesus' name, amen.